Hello there. Welcome to this month's PBN Perspective, looking back at everything plant-based across the month of May. I'm Kerry McCarthy, and don't forget you can keep up with all the latest as it happens on plantbasednews.org. And this podcast is also available on SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com forward slash plantbasednews. Coming up in this episode, Danish politicians follow Beyonce's bid to save the planet. An incredible new scandal for one of the world's largest meat suppliers and the first signs of progress in the home of the infamous Yuland Dog Festival. But first, the Sun newspaper has been busy again, reporting on the issues that matter. Apparently, there were a handful of tweets about the way British soap opera Emmerdale conveyed a bunch of vegans, very highly trained reporters at the Sun, you know, some of them even leave the house from time to time. The Emmerdale storyline was that this guy, Zach, conned some vegans into eating beef burgers at a meat-free festival. They get angry in a sort of geeky and awkward way, and he flees, um, destroying a dog in the process. And apparently the vegans didn't appreciate being conveyed as oddly dressed burger throwing squares. Because are you thinking what I'm thinking? You know, part of vegan training is learning how to sue people. You have to have sued one or two people before you start a YouTube channel. You're unprepared if you haven't. So if anyone wrongs us, I don't think there's any sausage lobbying or similar the person doesn't even know about it until they get served. Anyway, according to the newspaper, the vegans were furious with the programme's portrayal of vegan fury. So the Sun was enraged about the vegan viewers being enraged, pointing out that their anger matched that of the anger portrayed in Emmerdale, the implication being, look, this is what you fucking like. You're proving your own point here. Which, speaking as a vegan, actually did make me irate at the way the Sun misrepresented, in my mind, our fury at Emmerdale's fury at vegan fury. And I hope that's an end to the matter, or else it's just going to become extremely confusing if this dynamic continues. You know, if the Sun newspaper hears this video, then becomes incensed about me expressing my outrage at their outrage, at our outrage, at Emmerdale's annoyance, at generalised vegan anger that caused them to portray us in this way. I can just see this becoming a drawn-out affair. Seriously, though, for anyone watching this who isn't a vegan and is thinking about becoming one, it is the best training in anger management you could have. I mean, if you're the type who lashes out when you're annoyed you'd be imprisoned in a number of hours because most days you will encounter something like eye-rolling, interrogation, ridicule, ignorant arguments, sometimes from doctors. You can't give people who are damaging their health any advice because they tell you to sod off. So you just have to watch from the sidelines as the people you love self-harm and you have to get along peacefully with people you disagree with on matters of violence, life and death. And day-to-day -day life can be inconvenient. You go to a regular restaurant and there may be nothing to eat or one choice if you're lucky. So it's excellent training in self-control in spite of what some people might tell you. And no burgers were thrown in the making of this podcast so far. What is really rewarding about taking part in the activist movement or just moving towards a plant-based diet is that, man, we are making massive progress, more progress now than we've ever made in history. And it's really exciting. There's a story from Denmark this month about politicians over there taking a 22-day vegan challenge. Members of the Alternative Party and the Red-Green Alliance Party have vowed to participate, the London Metro reports. Uf Ilbeck, that might not be how it's pronounced, the leader of the Alternative Party, stated, no doubt this will be a huge challenge. 
but I expect it to be quite a lot of fun as well, and it will definitely be to the benefit of the environment. Western food production has an enormous climate footprint. Political action is needed, and I find it important that we as politicians take the first steps and begin to walk the talk. Incredible to hear a politician saying something like that, isn't it? Like, incredible to hear them saying, I'm prepared to create positive change myself with my own efforts, and I almost don't believe it. What's in it for them exactly? Oh, I get it. Maybe they've realised from British politics that elections are won and lost on the grounds of which campaigner is most able to eat a bacon sandwich like a person. Of course, none of them can in Britain. You know, there's no module at Eton or Cambridge University in plebeian studies. So no meat products, no problem. Alternatively, these Danish politicians really do care about the planet and are actually willing to do what they can. 22 days, though, is interesting because it seems like quite an arbitrary number. So clearly they're fans of Beyonce because she came up with the original 22-day vegan diet. So this could be why Denmark is often said to be one of the happiest places in the world because maybe their politicians are like ordinary people. They're in touch with everyone else, you know. Say Beyonce to this lot and they'll have to consult their hoi polloi handbook. Interesting news for anyone wanting to go the other way, you know, anyone who wants to penetrate the upper classes, metaphorically speaking, of course, because a tremendous barrier to being posh for the social climbing vegan has always been, well, you, you've guessed it, haven't you? The fact that if you go to the opera, there's nothing to eat. It's the same in all expensive places, in, in expensive hotels, all these places. The hallmarks of opulence, in Britain anyway, are marble surfaces, Persian rugs, golden red decor, and the only thing to eat is magnum ice creams. I'm telling you, that and sparkling water is all rich people eat, as far as I can tell. Now, I've tried pulling out a banana at the interval of the ring cycle at the Royal Albert Hall and owning it, you know, defiantly meeting the gaze of Etonians who are appalled that somebody would recall our primitive origins and such sophisticated surroundings. But I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the judgment. And for years, I've been longing for a vegan alternative to Magnum Ice Creams since they are an elite dietary staple. And finally, it's happened. If you bothered reading plantbasednews.org, you'd already know this. A London startup um, will seek to shake up the vegan ice cream category, <laughs> rebels, with the launch of three vegan dairy-free ice cream bars. The new snacks from Miro are made with frozen coconut milk, nuts, and Himalayan pink salt, sweetened with coconut sugar and Italian grapes. They're free from refined sugar, preservatives, and artificial flavorings. And as well as being dairy-free, they're gluten-free too. This is like, you cannot get more exclusive than this ice cream. And I, for one, very much look forward to impressing the, the people I've seen at uh, the Albert Hall. <laughs> Janet Street Porter is the only one I can think of. But no, it's great. We can also join in the Wagnerian festivities with the chalk ice for us. Now we've just got to work out how to conceal a portable fridge. It's never straightforward, is it? Anyway, a happy alternative to 15 hours of Wagner, if you're not that way inclined, is a new $50 million series, which I think means it's good, that's starting soon on Netflix called Okja. And it's meant to look like a vegan's fever dream, apparently. Tilda Swinton stars as the head of a multinational corporation whose latest product is this adorable creature, kind of super pig, bred only for food. 
And this article is asking, but why would anyone genetically engineer an animal for food that is not only adorable, but a perfect companion for humans? Yeah, exactly. Why would they use pigs, cows and chickens for sustenance? I don't actually think it's possible to CGI something cuter than the real farm animals we encounter. I think there's something so innate in humans that wants to protect animals it's it's not good to turn your back on that instinct i think instincts are there for a reason so this adorable thing is being bred to be eaten but it manages to escape it forms a friendship with one of the good humans who resolves to help it out the company want it back the girl wants her friend back and there's some animal activists and that's us i wonder if they're going to be throwing anything who want to help her with her quest and Okja will appear in your queue. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? I don't have Netflix yet. On the 28th of June. So look out for that. Do you know what? I never thought I'd see the day when this topic would be so mainstream. We've had a recent Simon Amstel film on the BBC iPlayer. James Cameron is apparently creating a documentary on the subject. And I've only been vegan for about 12 or 13 years. But back then, it was so niche that the only information you could find online about it was stored on a couple of really obscure websites that sort of looked more like a cry for help than a professional proposition. And then shortly after that, there was a series of quite slick websites, but their actual content read like a cry for help. <laughs> How many of you out there also went through a phase of trying to buy foods with Ormus in them? <laughs> Very hard to find. You know, they never put it on the label. Anyway, the vegan movement is growing all the time. Uh, if you saw our video with a company called All Plants in April, at risk of sounding like the internet, you seriously will not believe what happened next. You really won't. Brothers Alex and Jonathan, who set it up, have received investment in their company to the tune of £800,000. And this incredible injection of funds from venture capitalist firm Felix Capital is going to be used to bring their plant-based meal service to major mainstream retailers. It's just the most wonderful news because they're so talented. If you've ever tried their food, even the design of their packaging is beautiful and they're also totally passionate about helping people eat plant-based in the most convenient way. So you can see the vegan thing is one of the fastest growing markets at the moment, considering All Plants only really launched properly this year after a soft launch to friends and family in late 2016. It's amazing how quickly this has taken off. But I think that as well as people feeling compelled to look into more plant-based diets because of the positives, the meat industry keeps providing us with stories like this. There's been another scandal in the news this month, and this absolutely beggars belief. Seven executives from JBS, which is the world's largest meat-producing company, entered a $70 million plea bargain last week after a raid uncovered rotten, acid-tainted meat at 21 of its facilities. These, along with 30 employees and 30 health officials, were placed under investigation after it was found that the company was bribing health officials to allow it to sell rotten meat altered with carcinogenic chemicals. Right. As part of the plea bargain, Veg News reports, JBS will cooperate with investigators to uncover the scope of its crimes, which may have ties to the Brazilian president, although at this stage that's speculation. I mean... There's nothing I can add to that. It's just completely unbelievable. Meat from Brazil goes all over the world. It comes to Britain. So this affects all of us. 
Now, it wasn't just JBS. BRFSA, another major meat producer, was also involved. And so far, their response to this was that they both took out full-page newspaper ads and paid for primetime TV spots to reassure consumers their meat is safe. Um, because this scandal is threatening to undermine years of extensive publicity they paid for before, which focused on the quality and safety of their products. And these campaigns starred celebrities like, well, i tell you what, why don't you guess? Guess who was fronting these uh, ad campaigns? That's right, Jamie Oliver and Robert De Niro. Seems an odd choice, but, you know, at least he doesn't set himself up as a health expert. People wonder why we go after Jamie Oliver when, you know, he's such a nice man, but it's because if you claim you're a health expert and people are looking to you for your advice and you're not giving them good advice, instead you're prioritizing your income and and showing them how to prepare, you know, dishes that use red meat and all that, that's seriously callous, you know. And why do I mention this stuff on a plant-based news channel? Well, it's to demonstrate something I really believe that because the meat industry is by nature really an amoral business, because they deal with animal life as economic units, they're going to treat their human customers with the same lack of respect, in my opinion. You know, you can see this if you go to other organizations that could be seen to be amoral. Investigate how the tobacco industry works, you know. I've got a friend in Gibraltar who works for a gambling company, and he says they deliberately design their website to make it so hard to withdraw any winnings that the hope is a percentage of people would simply give up, you know. So the nature of businesses is reflected in how they treat their customers. And I think it's the same for individuals. The fact that most people eat meat, even though many feel guilty about it, must spill over into how they conduct the rest of their lives if they're training themselves to dampen down their conscience in pursuit of pleasure. If you want to see an amazing example of somebody who really lives his life to serve others, particularly in the area of animal rights, please watch Klaus's interview with uh, the musician Moby that was put up earlier this month on the Plant Based News YouTube channel. I mean, I knew Moby was a vegan and I knew he was an activist, but I didn't realize quite how passionate he really is. I wake up and I think about music but I try to do as much as I can to work on animal rights. Like if you held a gun to my head and said I had a choice between working on music and working on animal rights, I would choose animal rights. Like nothing, as I said earlier, like nothing is more important to me than my animal rights activism. And isn't this so true? Honestly, I wish, I wish we lived in a perfect world where people had the luxury of being selfish. You know, but we live in a world that's an inch away from complete cataclysm where hundreds some odd billion animals are killed for human purposes every year. So if we lived in a world that didn't have climate change, where animals weren't used for food, where we only had sustainable energy, then by all means be selfish. But the world in which we live doesn't afford people the right or luxury to be selfish anymore. So that's a really brilliant interview where Moby talks in depth about his activism, which I haven't really seen him doing in this detail before. Have a look at that if you haven't already. Katy Perry's got a fascinating video out for one of her new songs, and Robin Raven had a good article about this on the Plant-Based News website. She says, With Bon Appetit, Katy's latest hit song and video, people are talking about its vivid imagery that seems to have multiple meanings. One thing is clear, it shows how absolutely absurd it is to use the body parts of sentient beings as mere meals. Now, normally, uh, I would sneer at any music released after 1910, but 
This is actually very interesting artistically. I mean, she's being cannibalized in service to the titillation of others. She seems to accept her fate, but I think that's because as narrator, she gets to just stand up at a certain point and do this. Yeah, we see what you're doing, love, but look, you signed up to be eaten. You can't just sing your way out of it. So it seems to be a song about submission to the consuming phenomenon of loving and being enslaved by another person. But here's hoping these images of a human being treated like a so-called food animal provide that jolt that some people need to think, oh, you know, eating living creatures is eerie and weird. Darling, empty the larder. We're going to Whole Foods and remortgage the house as well. Because meat consumption has been so normalized in our society and people have learned, you know, it's a reasonable part of life from when they were children. You know how it's really hard to convince a meat eater with just the science or the ethics? I think it's often through art that people have these epiphanies because it's you know, a slightly different way of seeing the world. And also through the gradual shifting of culture. And I think this may have helped in our next story, the sheer amount of campaigning that people have done. We've recently seen an encouraging first step in stopping the mass slaughter of dogs that takes place every year at the Yulin Dog Festival in China. Dog meat sales have actually been banned at the festival, which normally sees thousands of animals just taken off the streets, sometimes just stolen and killed and sold for their meat. Um, it's believed the ban has been initiated by Mr. Mo Gong Ming, Yulin's new party secretary, and it comes into effect on June the 15th, one week prior to the festival. Now, campaigners are saying this is a temporary ban. It doesn't signal an end to the Yulin event. Many dogs are likely to be killed before the ban is enforced. But it is nonetheless a milestone victory in the ongoing efforts to put an end to the slaughter. And it's evidence of growing political will from within China to clamp down on this trade. Because, you know, it did seem like well, they're never going to listen and maybe they see it very differently in that culture. But, I mean, this is really quite encouraging. But it is so grim, isn't it? We need something upbeat to balance that out. Let's look to Barack Obama to help us out. <laughs> if my mom's watching this, that's a joke. It's not a sign of, you know, Scottish education declining. Anyway, on a serious note, Mr. Barner this month warned that more people on the planet are starting to consume more meat, causing a dramatic rise in climate emissions. Uh, this was at a food innovation summit in Milan. And he said, no matter what, we are going to see an increase in meat consumption. And he's pointing to developing countries in China, India, Indonesia and Vietnam. And he reckons Western countries should kind of teach people to, and I quote, have a smaller steak. Look, Baracko, mate, just tell them to go vegan. Don't give McDonald's et al. ideas here. You know, you say that they're going to start breeding micro cows, which produce less damage to the environment and can be stored more easily. Then a micro cow is going to escape. Befriend one of the good humans. The company will want it back. She won't want to let it go. And then a bunch of animal activists are going to have to get involved. And seriously, you do not want them on your case, love. The amount of burgers these bastards can throw just doesn't bear thinking about. Anyway, interesting quote. Good to see that the elites are joining us in downloading Cowspiracy because I do believe that, you know, this documentary has been watched by all kinds of heads of state across the world. Now for our final story today. Monsanto have resorted to a rather desperate tactic. The company has been using an army of comment trolls 
to respond to any and all uh, anti-Monsanto and anti-GMO posts and videos on social media. Ryan and Angie made a brilliant video on this recently, saying they've suspected it for years due to the suspicious comments that they get on all their anti-GMO videos. Hey, this is Ryan of Happy Healthy Vegan. Well, something I've noticed over time here, guys, anytime I release a video speaking out against Monsanto and or GMOs, always, always, always there's a rapid influx of comments, people professing their love of GMO technology. And I've always thought it was kind of fishy because it happens in every video I do. They just repeat the basic talking points for Monsanto. I always thought something was very suspicious. Well, my suspicions have been confirmed. Well, Monsanto's on trial here in Superior Court in California, and the plaintiffs in these cases have released a bunch of documents against Monsanto's wishes, documents that show what I've known all along, that Monsanto has hired a team, an army of internet trolls. They call it the Let Nothing Go program. And this army of internet trolls pathetically goes to people's social media platforms like Facebook, and in my case, YouTube, to leave comments, to let nothing go. So a rather farcical concept from Monsanto there. Can you imagine the training for this? Just a load of people sitting in a warehouse. All caps, Jeff, all caps. What do you think this is? The bloody Women's Institute. Don't be afraid to pull out the C word when you need it. Why have you got a begonia on your avatar, Pete? You call that intimidating. Go on, get it swapped out for a Rottweiler. Oh, and I want everyone to remember, appalling spelling mistakes and grammatical errors, please. Don't want anyone getting suspicious. So I think that's a positive note to end on. The world is clearly turning, my friends. We're creating change. We've got the multinational mega conglomerates on the run. And here's to many more achievements as the year goes on. That's it for this month's PBN Perspective. And I'll leave you with images I've just found on the Plant-Based News Facebook page. Klaus proving quite a hit with the ladies, it seems. Please help us spread the message. Like, share and subscribe if you haven't already. And you can download this and previous episodes on soundcloud.com forward slash plant-based news. Thanks a lot for watching and I'll see you next time.